Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. I'm not sure how you follow that. I'm glad I got God's word to do it. Okay, the scripture reading for this Sunday is Philippians 1, 1 through 14. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. This is the word of the Lord. So uh, one more quick announcement-ish kind of thing. And that is, if you're not aware, um, all of our services are on Facebook Live. So we have a great crew of volunteers in the back that make that available. And I want you to know for a couple of reasons. One, if you're ever out of town, it is just a great way to stay connected. Or if you're just home, it's a lazy Sunday, or you're sick, whatever that might be. Uh, but also, this could be a great mission opportunity to reach out to some people, and they might not be ready to say, hey, yes, I'll come to church, but maybe they'll say, hey, I'll check that out online. So just, you can, you can go in and watch that, and I just wanted to share that with you, uh, because it's a, it's a wonderful gift. Um, I know when I was out in Colorado with my dad, I, I loved that I was still connected to you all through that. So for those of you who are not aware uh, Sarah Tange and her daughter Emma, they're part of our Vine community. And last Sunday, uh, tragically, they had their house burned down. Uh, thankful that uh, uh, they were both not in the house at that time. They were their, their grandmother, but um, Sarah's dad and her brother were at the house. But everybody was able to make it out safely, uh, but they did uh, end up losing everything. And Emma is a sixth grader here at Covington, so she's a student here. And um, I just, this is an opportunity for us as a church to come alongside this family um, who has just had their world turned upside down right now and to love them. And so uh, one of the ways that we can do that to provide for this family is that we can give online. And so just want to encourage you that if you would like to do that, to go to our website and under the tab Give, uh, you can choose the fund Tengai uh, Fire Recovery Fund. And in there you can make a financial gift to, to help them out. Um, again, it's just a way that the church can come and be a light for this family 
as they're going through this time, and for all of us, too, to, to be praying for them, because it's not only that you lose stuff, right? It's just the emotional part that goes with it. And uh, so we'll be definitely praying for them. And let's do that right now before we continue on. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, we we thank you, Lord, for for your love for us. We thank you that you watch over us. Uh, And Lord, we want to uh, lift up uh, the Tengai family to you right now. Father God, we thank you that they were all able to make it out okay, um, but Lord, it wasn't without great, great cost of loss as well to, uh, to their home, and uh, Father, we, we know that you meet us in our times of, uh, of struggle and our times of challenge such as this, and this is one of the bigger ones, so Lord, we pray for them, we just pray that your spirit would comfort them as they deal with the emotional part of it, and as they start to then put their life back together. Uh, Lord, and, and just thank you for this church and the generosity of folks to uh, to want to help out, to, to come alongside them. And so, Father, we lift them up to you in, in prayer. And, Father, we pray for this time uh, now as we continue in our worship and we, we open your word uh, from Philippians, Lord, that your spirit would just speak to our hearts and that we just be attentive to what you have for us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. I am really excited about this new sermon series that we're doing. Uh, We're launching today. It's on the book of Philippians. So it's going to be a four-week series, and each week we're going to look at one of the chapters. So it's one of the shorter books, uh, so we can get through it in a month. But as you'll see, even as uh, Heidi was reading today, there is just so much. Even though it's a short book, there's a lot packed in it. And our hope also is that this isn't just another sermon series where you sit back and you hear a sermon. Um, there's the other step of your, your vine groups, if you're involved in one of those. And if you're not, love to talk to you about getting into a small group. So they'll have an opportunity to talk further about it. But with this one as well, since we're doing a book of the Bible, we want to encourage us as a community to be reading the book of Philippians this month together. And so tonight you'll receive an email, uh, and it just has a simple reading plan to just kind of help process that through and uh, to do this together. So before we jump into chapter 1, I thought it was important for us to look at whom this letter was written to and uh, who wrote it. So Philippians is in the New Testament, and it was written by the Apostle Paul to a church that he planted. So we're a church plant. This is a church that he planted uh, in Philippi. And Philippi is located in Macedonia, which is modern-day Greece. And at the time it was written, in that area, there was just very little Christian presence in the city. So Paul is writing this letter of encouragement to this young church, young group of believers, who are struggling to live out their faith uh, just amidst a hostile environment. And so, now while it was written, also while it was written for uh, primarily for believers, I believe that Philippians is just, it's a, it's a great letter for you to start if you're investigating what is the Christian faith all about. Now, a little bit about the author. Paul, before he became a follower of Christ, he was actually known for torturing and killing Christians. And so his story is just an incredible story of transformation. And you think about it, that he goes from persecuting Christians to then leading them to know Christ and begins planning churches. 
I mean, can you imagine the crowds? I mean, could you imagine the crowds right now if we had somebody, we invited them, and maybe uh, they're known for doing the same things, for torturing and killing Christians, and we know that's going on in different parts of the world. And what if we said in two weeks they're going to be here at the Vine? I'm thinking that if you had something scheduled on that Sunday, you're still coming. You're going to want to hear how is their life so changed that they go from that kind of a torture and doing that to someone to now they themselves are following Christ. And so can you imagine the crowds as Paul's going around and he's going from city to city and he's planting churches or he's checking up on other churches that he's planted and people are probably wanting to see, isn't this the guy who was like persecuting us and killing Christians? And then, so he's doing that and then the Roman authorities, they're okay with it when he's persecuting Christians but they're not so excited when he says, no, there's only one God, and it's not Caesar. And so with that, what that led to is Paul then became uh, put in prison, and he was put in prison in Rome. And as we look at this book, uh, his writing to these believers in Philippi, I think one thing that it tr- clearly demonstrates is that our best witness can come out of some of our worst circumstances. Our best witness can come out of some of our worst circumstances. And I want to give us three questions that we're going to kind of unpack and look at about how we can be a light for Christ um, in all circumstances of our life. So the first question is this. I want you to ask yourself, what do I want to be known for? What do I want to be known for? Do you notice the, 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 the title that Paul used there in, in the first verse? He said, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. And part of me wants to stop and go, really? I mean, Paul, you got a lot of titles. You could start with, I, Paul, persecutor of Christians. You know, that would get some people's attention. Or I, Paul, a Pharisee. All right, I'm listening a little bit more. Or I, Paul, a church planner. I, Paul, an apostle. Now I'm leaning in. But what Paul does is he opens his letter, I, Paul, servant of Christ Jesus. The use of of servants, in a sense, sets a tone for this letter. And being a servant of Jesus Christ is the only thing that we're going to do that's going to last Every other title that we might have is temporary. And so this supersedes everything else. So my question for you is, what do you want to be known for? What do you want your reputation to be? What do you want it to be when when you're not in a room and people might be talking about you? What do you want them to be saying? Do you want them to be saying, ah, just a great dad? or a great mom, or a great husband, or wife, or a great friend. Or, man, that person is just a great businessman, or businesswoman. They're so successful. Or, or that person, man, they're so popular in school. That's what I think about. That person's so popular. Or maybe your job title has those initials before it. MD, VP, CEO, PhD. These are all great titles. But again, how many of them will last? None. 
whatever you want to be called is going to play a big role in dictating the compass of your life. And again, the only title that you can, can have is that of servant of Christ Jesus. Again, Paul is someone who could have had a lot of titles. And I know there's some about you out there that have a lot of titles you have beside your name. But he begins this letter by saying servant of Jesus Christ. And when we are servants of Christ and when we serve others, that's when people can truly um, be a light in all circumstances through serving. Our second question I want us to look at, and that is, does gratitude define my relationships? In verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers that I pray for you, I always pray with joy. And when we think about it, life is really about relationships. I mean, it's not too often that you're going to find someone who has unhappy relationships but has a happy life. And when Paul, for him, he, he experienced an incredible and amazing transformation as he's on the road to Damascus, again, to persecute Christians. And he's not only transformed by God as he has an encounter with the risen Christ, but it also transforms his relationships. Because remember, his heart was full of hate towards Christians. And now he's saying, I am so thankful for you. I'm praying for you. My heart is full of joy when I think of you. There's a study in, in the Journal of Socioeconomics that found the changes in the level um, of income level for someone actually adds very little to their happiness. However, and again, this is a secular study, an increase in the level of relational involvement in someone's life, a deepening connection in relationships, is worth more than $100,000 a year in satisfaction. So Paul, he's in prison. He, as anybody would be, would be dirt, dirt poor there, right? But yet he is rich in relationships, He's saying, again, every time I remember you, I'm just grateful. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for these people. And he's full of joy. And, and as I read that, I start to look at my own life and I start to think, am I spending as much time building into my relationships as I'm trying to be to be successful? And, and beyond that, am I grateful for the people that are in my life? And do I let the people that are, I'm so grateful for my life, do I let them know that I'm grateful for them? I mean, how many of us, if we are honest, if we are writing this part of Paul's letter, that we would write it saying this, I complain to God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers, it's God, why can't you change her? Why can't you change them? There's a writer by the name of um, Sean Aker. And he was talking to a tax auditor who was very depressed. So I don't know if that's just common with tax auditors. But you'll see why this one was depressed. And as he was talking, they were talking about why. The auditor mentioned that one week at work, and this is a true, <laughs> I'm not making this up. He actually made an Excel spreadsheet listing all the mistakes 
that his wife had made for the past six weeks. You can imagine the wife's response when she found out that her husband had done a flaw audit on her. Now, a lot of us, I'm guessing, don't have a spreadsheet on a computer somewhere. If you do, get rid of it. (laughs) I'm not sure what you're thinking. But what about in our minds? What about thinking, every, I know every mistake you've made, and I'm holding on to each one of those mistakes, and I'm not letting it go. And when I think of you, I complain. That's what comes to my mind. Paul writes in another letter, and this is to another church in Corinth, and he says this incredible phrase here. He says, love keeps no record of wrongs. That could be a sermon on itself, couldn't it? Love keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't rehearse them. It doesn't magnify them. It doesn't go there. And what we see Paul doing is is the opposite of that. Instead of a flaw audit, he is doing a gratitude audit. Or as a friend shared with me this week, and I love this, and I apologize, I don't have the quote up on the uh, slide for you, but it's this. Unless you look at me through the eyes of love, I can do no right. Let that sink in. Unless you look at me through the eyes of love, I can do no right. So who are the people in your life that you're grateful for? I want you to think of of two or three, three people right now. And if you haven't told them lately, you get part of your homework assignment is, I want you to tell them how grateful you are for them. Because what I found is that gratitude begets gratitude. Also, what we see here in these first few verses is that Paul, he's talking about how grateful he is for this church. And and part of it is because of their support financially and with their prayers and their love and ministry. And he also thanks them for their partnership in the gospel. And friends, just as Paul was grateful to the church of Philippi for partnering with them in the gospel, Mark and I are so incredibly grateful for the ways that you partner with us in the gospel, that we are in this together. Thank you for sharing your talents, your time, your family, and your generosity, inviting people to come and see. My prayer is we just continue doing this together, but we are just so grateful for you. And friends, when gratitude defines your relationships, your light for Christ shines brightly. Question number three. Where am I impacting and encouraging others? Where am I impacting and encouraging others? Paul goes on in verses 12 through 14. He says, as for me, and he's kind of wrapping up a prayer in this little section, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened is me has happened to advance the gospel. Again, he's writing from prison. He's not like in a lazy boy chair somewhere. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God 
more courageously and fearlessly. Love that. There's a commentary I was reading this week, and it's saying that when Paul was in prison in Rome, it was most likely that he was guarded by uh, these elite troops from the emperor's palace. Just a specialized, hand-picked group. Um, Some of them might have been Caesar's bodyguards. And these are men that were strong and courageous. And, And after they would serve that place of honor as a guard, a lot of them then would go into influential positions afterwards. Whether it's in, in, in politics or business or whatever it might be. And so they were respected and they had a big influence in Rome. So you couldn't pick a better group, if you think about this, to be connected to Paul if you want to influence the Roman Empire than these guards. And every day there would be a guard that would be chained right to Paul. And think about that. I don't know how long their shifts were, six, eight hours, what it might be. But they're chained like with a four-foot chain and they just got to hear about it all the time. And he's, t- he's telling about Jesus. And then if he's not talking about Jesus, he's writing this letter or other letters to church. And like, what are you writing? He goes, let me tell you. And he had a captive audience with these folks. So it begs us to ask the question as well. Who is chained to you in your life? Maybe through circumstances or or place. Could be at school, a neighbor, at work, whoever it is. Who do you have the luxury of spending time with? You, You see, despite where Paul was, he was filled with joy. He was a light for Christ in a, in a dark place. And it was, he was such a light for folks, not only there, but it says that his light and his witness and his joy and his gratitude, that it affected those, the believers, who were outside and who were free. And they're saying, if Paul can do this, if Paul can have this attitude, if Paul can have this um, just amazing effect and God use him, in there in prison, what can we do? We're free. And friends, Jesus calls us as followers to be light. We're called to be seen. We're called to attract people to a, to a lifestyle that is different. Let me check it out here. Anybody sleeping in the back? This isn't bad. I can see everybody like that. It's pretty cool. Um, But I got a simple question for you guys, okay? So I need some participation in this as I'm blinding you. And that is, does this light shine brighter in darkness or in daylight? Go ahead. Answer is. Darkness. It's the same. I heard the same over here. Thank you. It's like, yeah, it's one of those jokes, but uh, it is the same. It doesn't matter what's around it, right? The same lumens are going to be still shining bright through it. Doesn't matter if it's light or dark outside. Second question Can you see this light better in the darkness or the light? Darkness. Again, it's the same amount of light, right? And you're like, is he ever going to turn this thing off? And I will. Let me see, it goes to strobe or something. There we go. Um, but yes, you do see it a whole lot better 
in the darkness. And there might be some of you here today that you're feeling like, as it just got dark in here? You're like, that, when I walked in here today, that's how I felt. I'm in one of those seasons of my life, and it can be for a lot of reasons. It could be for, for someone that you, you know and you love. It could be yourself that just found out some, some medical news. Maybe you have cancer or someone you love has cancer. And you just can't imagine what's next. What does the future hold? Or maybe, maybe you've lost a job. You know, and it's, it's, it's expensive to live in Austin when you have a job. And when you don't, how am I going to provide for my family? You know, or, or maybe you have someone that you love, a family member or a close friend who's, um, who's died recently. And you're wondering, how am I going to continue on? I talk to my mom once, at least once a week, and she asks that every time since my dad has passed away. How am I going to continue? Whatever you're going through today, I want you to know that there's hope, that, that God loves you. And even when it doesn't seem apparent that he is working in and through you in the midst of your pain. I don't know if you remember that they caught that verse where he said, every good work I'm going to bring to completion, every good work I began. So God begins the good work in our heart. God began the good work in Paul's heart. And God saw that through completion. God has begun a good work in your heart. And no matter how dark of a time you might be going through, promises, I'm going to see you through. And not only see you through it just to get by and put it behind you, but to grow in and from it. Because none of our suffering, none of our trials are wasted by God. He does some of his best work in the midst of our pain. And then we get to that point where we realize that the light that God has put inside you, that is Christ, can have a greater impact and can be more noticeable to others in the darkest times. And God uses it then to, to encourage others who are going through a similar situation. Because there's nothing like when someone comes up beside you and says, me too. My parents separate. Me too. I, I've had a father who died. Me too. I've lost a job before. And they come alongside you. And God starts to work in and through that. Friends, Paul's words, and it's not only in this chapter, and we only looked at part of it. Part of the thing that we want to really study this together and read it together is in, in those 14 verses that Heidi read, there's so much in there. Spend some time in it. Read it as God will speak to you. And you're going to find Paul's words. They're going to be encouraging. They're going to be motivating. And they're going to be convicting. 
But Paul demonstrates how we can be a light for Christ in all circumstances. So again, I want to encourage you this week to just ponder on these three questions. What I want to be known for. Does gratitude define my relationships? And where am I impacting and encouraging others? You know, those answers to those questions come differently through which lens you look. If you're looking through a selfish lens, if you're looking through lenses that this is all about me, kind of see where those answers come out. Or are you looking at it through the lens that Paul was sharing with us as a servant of Jesus Christ? For when you speak fearlessly for Christ and when you live faithfully during difficult situations, not only will your faith grow, but it's going to encourage others for their faith to grow. So be an encouragement by the way you live, not for yourself, but for Jesus Christ. Let us pray.